This is Monstras. Welcome to our second episode of Monstras. I am Brenda Salguero. And I am Orquídea Morales. And she's Doctora Orquídea Morales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dr. O. <laughs> Dr. O. Oh my God, that sounds like a super villain. Yeah. <gasps> it sounds so creepy. I love it. <laughs> so... Today, our topic is, we're talking about zombies and brains. And brains. All, oh, God. All the cool stuff. So zombies, you know, they're super, super interesting. They're a cult- huge cultural phenomenon, you know, with, like, huge movies like uh, what the shows, The Walking Dead, obviously. Uh, and we'll be talking about all these kind of things um, in a second. So, totally, like, what is... So tell us, like, tell me, Orquídea, like, what is your interest in the zombie? Um, I love, love, love zombies. That's my favorite monster. And I feel like I'm going to start every podcast like that. Because <laughs> I feel like I said the same thing about La Llorona, but I mean it. The zombie's like my favorite horror movie monster. Um, he's just, or they are just so cool, um, aesthetically interesting. And their genealogy has evolved so much across time that there's just so much to talk about um, when it comes to the zombie. Yeah, they're super, super interesting and cool. And I think one of my own introductions into the zombie, I, I believe, was actually reading the Walking Dead comic. I think I read a couple of the comics and then um, definitely reading, uh, watching... Uh, uh, there's so many different movies, but one of my favorite books was World War Z. Mm. So reading that and uh, just really, really... The reason why I like the zombie so much isn't as much as the aesthetic of a zombie, but more of its like cultural significance. Like what... And that's what fascinates me about monsters is like, what do they mean? Like what kind of manifestation of culture... Or maybe even fear of something. How do, how is it manifesting as that like creature? And I think that's what fascinates me about the zombie in particular. You know? Yeah. And I I did want to say before I forgot. Um. So we're it's October twenty eighteen. It is the fiftieth anniversary of Night of the Living Dead, which is considered like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, zombie movies. Uh, directed by George Romero. So. 50th, 50th year celebration yay <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um that is awesome and yeah so zombies have been around for a really really long time actually people oh, yeah. may not yeah people may not think that but it has so let's start off with talking about like what is a zombie and what does it look like so the zombie, like you said, has been around for a really long time and seen a lot of mutations. So um, it's changed from where it is. So where the attacks happen from Haiti to Cambodia to like in Night of the Living Dead, where it's in Pittsburgh and then newer movies where it's in Cuba and India, which is really cool. Uh, the zombie appearance, too, has changed because it used to be just very light on the mm-hmm. makeup. Because the zombies weren't really dead, they were more, they were zombified, right? They were, um, like, hypnotized. And now, now the aesthetic is, like, they're dead. So they're rotting and flesh is, like, coming off their faces and stuff, um, which is really cool. Um, And the creation myth has also changed. So it's gone from, like, hypnotism and voodoo to disease and anger and all these different things that we've seen. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's really interesting. And also the thing that <laughs> the thing that I have to note is Pittsburgh? It took place in Pittsburgh? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, okay, so quick side note. So I was lucky enough to be at Comic Con this year. I yes, was just I saw Comic Con. <laughs> I saw. I was very jealous. 
You're welcome. <laughs> and I, I went to a panel uh, where Greg, Greg Nicotero was talking about Night of the Living Dead. And he was talking about Pittsburgh and growing up there and going to the cemeteries there and how that's like the perfect setting for horror films. So it was really cool to hear him talk about that. Oh, what? So wait, so he was saying that the cemetery or specifically a cemetery in Pittsburgh was the perfect zombie setup or or horror setup. I think it was both. Cemeteries just in general. He's oh, like okay. they're they're perfect. Everything's already set up. You don't oh, have to do okay. anything. <laughs> I thought there was like something about like Pittsburgh cemeteries that he was just like I love them and they're perfect. They're the perfect setting. There's something special about a cemetery in Pittsburgh. I don't know. <laughs> there might be. Maybe people will let us know what's special about Pittsburgh. I've never been. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. My friend just recently moved there, which is why I was like, Pittsburgh? Um, I think it was Pittsburgh. I don't know where she went. Um, I never remember anything. <laughs> so anyways, um, let's get into like where zombies first came from. Because there is... Uh, I did have an argument with a friend and she was like, well, I thought they came from Africa, like specifically Africa. Why are you talking about them in this episode? But it's because, you know, along with African, you know, slaves, they both African slaves brought in their culture with them. And that includes partially the zombie legend. Right. So let's get into we'll cue the music. (laughs) and get into yay the narrative of it okay cool we can trace the history of the zombie on this hemisphere to haiti which was originally home to the indigenous community known as tainos before being colonized by spain in the 15th century in the 17th century the territory was ceded over to france who brought over slaves from africa to support sugar plantations This created a mix of indigenous, Spanish, mestizo, French, African, and Creole. The merging of cultures gave birth to a complicated system of beliefs, including the zombie. Now, the term zombie actually originates from the Creole word zombie, spelled Z-O-N-B-I. The zombie first appears in Haiti during the French occupation. Africans and Haitians were slaves and were, of course, treated brutally by the French. As a result, slaves were being worked to death within a few years, leading to the capture and import of more, creating a brutal cycle. Many slaves saw death as a release, as a way to have freedom that in life they couldn't have. To them, the zombie was so terrifying because it was a creature that was controlled by someone else, even after death. The zombie has no free will, no desire for money, and never dies, making it the perfect laborer. After the Haitian Revolution, the zombie mythology changed a little bit, and the focus was on zombies created by shaman or voodoo priests for free labor. The focus shifted and merged a fear of slavery with a fear of necromancy and magic. This fear of being turned into a zombie was so strong that it was written into the Haitian Criminal Code, stating that any use of substances used against a person that caused a prolonged state of lethargy would be considered a poisoning. And if that person is buried as a result of this lethargy, the perpetrator would be tried for murder. The zombie figure inspires fear because, especially in countries built on the backs of slave labor, it represents the stripping of humanity and free will, the ultimate slave. Excuse me. I just ate like a whole pizza, so that's why I'm burping. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I was really hungry, okay? And so it you was, just chugged a pizza. I just, I literally chugged a pizza. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's what fascinates me in general about Latin American culture is like this mixture of Spanish, indigenous, mestizo, like French, African, all these different like cultures mixed together in one place. Yeah, I I think the syncretic nature of it, like it is pieces of all these different cultures that have come together through conquest and oppression and violence to create something new um, and something powerful um, to, to deal with that, to deal with all that violence. Exactly. Like, it's so fascinating to, to see that 
the zombie, you know, the origins of it was this idea, this fear, this very, very big cultural fear of becoming a permanent slave, like being a slave forever and being not only a permanent slave, but like the perfect slave. Let's get into like the cultural significance because uh, we started talking about it a little bit more and you know way more about it than I do. So I know a little bit more about the history of the zombies um, as the transition from Haiti to the U.S. For me, that's a really interesting period. Mm. Um, so that happened around the 1900s, roughly 1915 to 1934, when the U.S. occupied Haiti. And it was a really interesting period. Um when the U.S. was like, oh, Haiti's in trouble, we need to go help them, which really meant we want the geog- like we want the land and we want the people. So we want the cheap labor, we want to yeah. set up sugar plantations and sugar companies there. Um, of course, typical yeah. <laughs> America, as usual. Yeah. So what ended up happening was um, through like governmental documents, travel logs. So travel logs are like short documentaries of sorts, mm. like people would travel to foreign countries and record what they saw. Um, and most of these were like exotic, you know, like, oh, I went to a jungle to the, in the middle of nowhere. Look how weird these people are. Yeah, look at these um, bananas that are really brown and weird, but they're delicious, you know, yeah. and all these, yeah. And, and very much focused on like primitive uh, practices that other uh, people had. Um, primitive, very much in quotes. <laughs> Of course, uh, of course. So it was through these documents, like the governmental documents, the travel logs, books, things like that, um, military documents, that Americans understood the zombie. So all that information from Haiti and from the military got moved into the U.S. and became part of the U.S. imaginary. So one of the earliest, um, if not the first representations of zombie in U.S. films came out in 1932 and it was White Zombie. Um, and I know a lot of people argue about what the first zombie movie is, mm-hmm. but historically, this is understood as the first zombie movie in the U.S. Um, White Zombie, nineteen thirty-two. Wow. Here, the zombie's not really dead, but it's hypnotized. Um, and it's like a hordes of zombies that are hypnotized and forced to work for other people in plantations and sugar factories. Mm. So, have you watched it? No, I didn't watch it. I I started watching a little bit of Night of the Living Dead instead. Mm-hmm. But I started um but I was just I'm just weirded out by old films. They creep me out. <laughs> <laughs> They're weird. They just creep me out. And so but I did recognize the name Bella Lugosi. Yeah. So Bella Lugosi stars as the bad guy in the movie Murder. His first name's Murder. And his sec- last name is Legrand. Le I can't even say it. It says, it looks like Legendre to me. Legendre. Le yeah. Legendre. Let's stick with murder. So <laughs> what a great is- name. What a great right. name. First of all, how would you not suspect a man named Murder? Right? It is so, it's a really good movie, but it's really slow. It's black and white. And it's more of a romance drama i would say because during this time there was a there was also not a horror uh genre per se like horror wasn't really part of the of the language when people talked about movies so it was more like a suspense um is what they called it um so the plot revolves around a love triangle between a banker who works in port-au-prince haiti his name's neil parker and his fiance madeline short um who comes to Haiti to visit him, and then a local plantation owner that falls in love with Madeline. So the um, the three of them, Neil, Madeline, and Charles, meet on a boat, mm-hmm. and Charles finds out that Madeline and Neil are going to get married. And he's like, well, why don't you come to my house and I'll help you get married, which is not shady at all. No, why would I? What is he going to help her with? Exactly. So the, <laughs> two, <laughs> the two of them go to Charles's um, house um, and there uh, Charles ha- hires murder to um, zombify Madeline so that Madeline will fall in love with Charles so that's sort of the plot um, wait wait but sorry 
I just I still can't get over the name murder. Like I was just like, oh, he hired murder. Like usually you hire someone for more for murder, but this dude is hired as murder. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just it just it's weird. It's so weird. It's really weird. Oh There's not God. yeah, like it's not very hard to understand who the bad guy is for sure. Yeah, and... it's a little obvious. <laughs> yeah. And he does so what's really interesting, so murder um Charles who's the guy that falls in love with Madeline um and is kind of the bad guy. So he's kind of British. Hmm. Madeline and Neil are both American and murder Bela Lugosi is this weird mixed race figure almost like he's not really oh. Haitian he's not black uh, he looks almost Asian um, then the way they do his, his makeup so it's really interesting to think about like who the evil person was in in the movie that makes uh, sense especially because that time period weren't they the scariest thing to white people of course because there's nothing else they can you know there's nothing they'd be scared of truly um but the scariest thing for white people at the time was people who could at least in america that i know of is people who could blend who can yeah. the secret the secret people who were who looked white but were actually mixed and white passing but white pass, passing right yeah. passing and mixed race was definitely um the fears as people um the u.s was conquering different spaces you know so it was like it was during the occupation of haiti so the fear was we're going to become haitians too we're going to be contaminated by their difference by their blackness and we're going to be mixed and that's the danger right like we don't want to be like them we want to be pure um, and that's why murder was the villain. And that's why murder was this like in between racial figure. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So what ends up happening is murder ends up um, zombifying Madeline, but falls in love with her. So kidnaps Madeline and it's up to Neil, the fiance and Dr. Brunner, who's a missionary, a Christian missionary to save to save her. And of course. Does the he say damsel in distress? Yeah, damsel in distress, the Christian missionary, you know, mm -hmm. just yeah, that makes sense. What does he do? Like he just shoves Jesus into her and she just wakes up from being a zombie like <laughs> So the what ends up happening is they murder they murder murder. <laughs> How so who knew that would be the ending of murder? If so I named my kid murder did I expect him to be a murderer or did I expect him to be murdered? I mean, either way, your expectation has to be either or, right? Yeah, things are not going to go well for murder. No, they're not. <laughs> so murder is pushed off, the, by, off a cliff by Charles, who then also falls off the cliff. And the, peop the people that are left are Neil, Madeline, and the missionary. And they end up getting married. And it's all fine. Like, it's all perfectly fine. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's a happy so, ending. I know. And I know you looked up some of the reviews for the film. Yes. So it looks like critics hated it. Like, I, I was, I was not surprised. Um, apparently, the whole movie had been cobbled together using sets from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Frankenstein and Dracula and the whole thing was shot in 11 days but apparently just like that one movie um I think actually Venom <laughs> uh critics hated it but the audience loved it for some yeah I was just like okay that's really interesting I found that very interesting I kind of want to see it now I do kind of want to see it because I want to see I want to see if I can point out, like, oh, that set piece, set set piece is like from The Hunchback. That's from Dracula. Yeah. Oh God, that'd be hilarious. So what's I this? highly recommend it. Oh my God. So did you actually watch the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I've watched it multiple times, and I've taught it. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I taught this movie. So I pair this movie with Night of the Living Dead, and then we talk about zombies and um, 
race in the U.S. with my students. That's awesome. I forgot yeah. you taught a class about it, didn't you? Like, what, what class did you teach again? I don't remember. It was a class about um, film genres in American history. So I did a section on zombies, and I did, like, some torture porn, and then I did musicals and westerns and all that fun stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did yeah. you do – have you ever heard of a pornsicle? I think you should incorporate it into your lesson plans. I don't know if I can. <laughs> okay, so hear me out. All right. When I was in college, we watched this very strict... So my friend Janie, who's the weirdest human, but also not the weirdest human. She's actually a sweetheart and I love her. But she found this freaking movie and it was called Alice in Wonderland. And I'm sure you, everyone's familiar with the goddamn story of Alice in Wonderland. And so she pops it in um, to the DVD player, and lo and behold, it's a pornsicle. And literally, it's like they're all dancing and singing, but then later they have sex, and then there's like... It's so boring and weird. And I, it was just an experience, I will tell you. So if you have an opportunity... To teach a porn, if you want to teach a pornicle, I highly recommend that one. Uh, let me just clarify. I taught this to college students, <laughs> so <laughs> they were all eighteen or older. So if if I did choose to teach a pornicle, <laughs> it would be okay. Although I don't think that's what I'm gonna do right now. I do know, I do, I do know they make zombie porn too. Wait, no, yes. I did. I did not know this. Wait, yeah, yeah. How did you find this out? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was researching, as you do. Uh huh. Um, sure. <laughs> I was reading an article, and there's a Canadian film director, Bruce LeBruce, I think. So he's made a, a movie that's like about zombie sex, not really a porn, but zombie sex. And then the article was just talking about zombie porn and um, snuff films and things like that. So I got that, sidetracked into that. It, that I can, I can, actually, yeah, I can totally see you going down that yeah. rabbit hole um, <laughs> because that's hysterical. I did not know. Because yeah. I know I've, I've read, you know, I used to be on something awful, you know, dot com or whatever the forums there. Mm -hmm. Um. And they always had, like, awful, like, top worst pornos ever made. And there was one that was about cl creepy clowns. And then there's another one called Edward. <laughs> it's not Ed it's not Edward Scissorhands, but it's, like, Edward Dickhands. And he just has penises yeah. for fingers. Oh, God, Oops. it was horrifying. And they had screenshots and everything. But <laughs> never was zombie porn on those lists. So I feel like I've missed something. You've missed out. You really have. <laughs> now I have to look this up. God dang it. Um, but in our notes, we I have another, you mentioned another movie. Because there's so many movies, right, about the zombies. Yeah. So, okay. So one of the other movies is a travel log. So like I said, a travel log is like a, a story that documents travel. So it can be like a memoir or a film, like travel documentaries. Mm -hmm. And one of them like, that came out in 1933, so a year after White Zombie, uh, was Voodoo. And it was released by Faustin Workus. It was directed by Faustin Workus, who was a U.S. Marine. Um, and this guy's also really interesting. Like, he wrote a lot about the zombies and about um, Haitian culture. And I would look him up uh, if oh. I mentioned, like, yeah, highly recommend him. Great. Um, so travel logs were really popular, particularly among, among anthropologists as a way to collect information on other cultures. Um, so it was a way, like I said, to frame like the us versus them, civilized, uncivilized. Um, of course, as you do as an anthropologist, I should know. <laughs> my degree is in anthropology, my undergrad that I never used. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We learned a lot of interesting history, though, about this kind of stuff where, you know, like Margaret Mead, mm -hmm. who was essentially like tricked, um, but rightly so, was tricked. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is like, it's, it's pretty exploitative. 
Yeah, and I feel like we can do, like, we can do a whole episode on anthropology in Latin America and the monsters that they create. That would be fun. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Filing that away for another topic as well. Oh, my God. Out of the uh, already, like, 51 teas that we have. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but what we, what we see happening in the 1930s with voodoo and white zombie and things like that is that the, the the zombie shifts from fear of becoming a zombie, so this fear of being enslaved, to fear of zombies. So fear of hordes of others that could invade the U.S. So it's this fear of the colonized coming back and getting their revenge. Oh. That's how Which it shifts. Though so, no, that's so similar. That's so interesting that it shifts from uh, a slave's perspective, essentially, of these people, these oppressed people, to now the oppressors being afraid of the oppressed. Yeah. Which is really fascinating. Which is, again, something that America has gone through with slave revolts, the fear of slave revolts, the fear of these, you know others coming into their world and taking over just like again something that has not gone away as you can see in america today yeah and i think that's why the zombies have had such a long life pun totally intended <laughs> but it's it's because of that right like this fear of being non-human or being or losing your humanity is something that resonates with everyone. Um, what happens when you're no longer yourself, uh, when you become, you know, something different and something that you're afraid of. And all those things are just um, at the heart of the zombie. So then, like, where's the bridge between, like, Latin, Latin America and, like, Latin American folklore with the zombie? The zombie um, traveled quite a bit. So it traveled from Haiti to the U.S. into Mexico and Latin America. So. so I just had a visual of like a dead zombie just slowly walking its way through all these countries, <laughs> just visiting. It's done. That. The passport has a lot of stamps on it. The zombie passport. <laughs> let me tell you that. <laughs> this dude is very cultured. He's a very cultured zombie. Yeah. You know. Despite the fact that half his face is gone and he's just moaning, he can only say brains over and over again. He gets around. He gets around. <laughs> he, can, he can say brains in different languages. Yeah, which is hard to do <laughs> when you yes. don't have a brain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, and what's also interesting and uh, is that Haiti has a really interesting relationship. Haiti has a really interesting relationship with the Caribbean and Latin America. So Haiti's not really considered part of Latin America because of the way it was colonized, like like um, you talked about earlier. Uh, but it's connected to the Dominican Republic, which is considered part of the Latin American Caribbean. So it's kind of interesting to think about Haiti's role in Latin America and how Latinos see themselves. Um, but well, okay. didn't well, sorry, no, no, I'm no, sorry to interrupt again, but because. Didn't Haiti, I mean, Haiti was one of the first countries, I thought, that set off the revolution. Because didn't they, because it was a slave revolt, right? Yeah, it was like a successful slave revolt. Um, but of course, what ended up happening was other countries start to take power and other countries start to interfere in their politics. That's right. Um, so we've seen a few Latino Latin American zombies. Um, two examples that I really have enjoyed. Um, in Mexican movies, the zombies have been quite popular. Zombies and mummies. But one of the examples is um, El Santo Contra los Zombies. So the it's a wrestling movie. Have you watched this one? No, but that is a very fascinating title. El Santo Contra los Zombies. Oh my gosh. This <laughs> that's hilarious i just love that it's like okay translated for those who don't speak spanish um it means the saint or the saint right versus the zombies yeah and el, el santo is um was a really famous mexican wrestler so that was his wrestling name the movies he came out in a bunch of movies like el santo versus the monsters el, el santo versus um 
the women vampires and i'm translating off my head so um el santo versus the mummies of guanajuato anyway so he it was like wow it's like el santo movie. really yeah he fought a lot of weird monsters yeah he did I need to watch this because I can only imagine him picking up like sexy vampire ladies and like throwing them on like a like in a wrestling move or something. It was so it's really interesting because what they would do is like they would have the the plot. Right. So something like El Santo Contra los Zombies, the one that came out in 1961, it was just him um, fighting zombies um, who were being controlled by a criminal mastermind. So zombies were being used to 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 rob different places um so it was it kind of went back to like the earlier image of the zombie like the zombified the hypnotized zombie from the 1900s mm-hmm. um so it was just his job to stop the zombies and to stop the criminal mastermind that had was hypnotizing them uh but then spread throughout the movie are wrestling scenes like wrestling um what is it called the on the on the uh, stage or whatever that called yeah. the zombie mat. No, not zombie mat. God, no. I'm thinking of that zombies. No, the um the wrestling ring. ring. Yeah. Yes, the ring. There you go. Yeah, I remembered it in Spanish. I was like the quadrilatero, but that is not the English <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, I didn't even know that's what it was called in Spanish. How yeah. do you say it again? Quadrilatero. Quadrilatero. Latero. Mm-hmm. Like a four. Yeah. Okay. So he's wrestling. Wait. So who is he wrestling in these rings? Other wrestlers. But why? Isn't he just fighting zombies? So these movies were cheaply made. Cheaply and quickly made. (laughs) You don't. don't, Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) I'm not surprised. Need I say more? But they were really, really. They were really popular in Mexico. And they've traveled to the U.S. too with like Mexican populations. But it really was just a mixing of different stuff that they had recorded. So sometimes they had like wrestling scenes from another movie cut and paste into another movie and things like that. So the actual story might be like 20 minutes. (laughs) Wow. These zombie movies are really just a clusterfuck. Like they're just like pieced together. These early zombie movies at least. Yeah. I love them. (laughs) They're amazing. And then this one. This other one that's in the in the notes that I absolutely love this name. Juan of the Dead. So Juan of the Dead, borrowing from Shaun of the Dead. Yes. And Night of yes. the Living Dead and all of those. Um, is a Cuban movie, came out in twenty eleven. And so the zombies start appearing in Cuba and everyone the government is like, Well, they're not zombies, they're dissidents, so it becomes this political commentary on the situation in cuba um and oh. it's it's a lot of fun it's a really really good play on the is zombie. that one also pieced together from other sets and other <laughs> and other <laughs> recordings or is this actually like a legit crazy like a, a more better production value let's say this one has production value to it yeah it's a okay. it's a movie <laughs> Okay, it's a, it's a movie in the in the modern, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was filmed in 2011, I would imagine it would be. Yeah. Okay, that is hysterical, and I have to actually kind of watch, I need to watch that one. Is that one in Spanish, all in Spanish? Yeah, that one's in Spanish. Oh, okay. But well, I'm going to have to look it up. It's subtitled, I think, and I'm sure it's dubbed in other places, but subtitles are better. Yes, I do prefer subtitles over anything else. Absolutely. Um, so then what are some, so we went through, basically we went through a bunch of movies through time. What are some modern interpretations of the zombie? Um, so we've talked a little bit about George Romero, um, and Night of the Living Dead and how that really popularized the genre in the U.S. again. Um, so there were a few zombie movies in the 1930s going into 1940s, um, but then it it began it became comedic, like Elvis and, um, no. Elvis and Costello? No. What are they called? What? El- I, now you get, you put a, a an image of, of, I was like, wait, did Elvis fight a zombie? When did Elvis fight a zombie? Okay. How did I not know this? 
Is it? There's Bob Hope. There's something on Bob Hope and on and zombies. Abbott and Costello, not Elvis and Costello. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, when did the king fight a zombie? I would totally watch that. So there's, yeah, I would absolutely watch that. Yeah. The movie's called Zombies on Broadway. It's Abbott and Costello. Came out in 1945. And this is kind of when the genre jumped the shark and it became really ridiculous and, <laughs> and funny. But then in 1968, when George Romero brought it back, it was really terrifying again. And it was this idea of like, the zombie is in our house. The zombie is in the US and it can be anybody. They look like us. We are the zombie. Um, what's interesting is a number of things. Um, he didn't call them zombies. So they were called ghouls. And um, in, in interviews, he's talked about how he borrowed from um, I Am Legend from that book. Um, yeah. So he he saw them as vampire monsters, not necessarily zombies. They're zombies. We all talked about them as zombies. So yeah, that's that's where we're at now. Um, <laughs> and one of the interesting things too is that the movie has been used to talk about race in the 1960s in the U.S. Uh, because one of the main characters, if not the main character, is played by a, a African American actor, Dwayne. Um, and the character's name is Ben and at the, he's like fighting the white man and all this sort of stuff. And at the end he's killed by this posse of, of white people. So he's the only one that survives the zombie attack and is killed just by white people. Um, so it's, as you do. Yeah. (laughs) So it's been picked up and talked about in relationship to that. Romero again says this was not intentional. The reason this guy, this actor played, Ben, the main character, was because he was the best actor. This was a low-budget movie. This was the guy that could act. That's why it happened. But people have picked it up and, and talked about the, the racial ramifications of it. Okay, so I watched a little bit of it, but I didn't watch any of the parts. I only watched the part where the guy is at the cemetery and he's like, Barbara, they're coming to get you, Barbara, or something. I, I don't part. know. And then he, and then he gets eaten by like freaking zombies. Did you say eaten? Yeah, I did. You, you can't stop me. <laughs> no, no one can stop me. <laughs> he was eaten. He was eaten. It's it's the proper anthropological term for zombie consumption. I think so. so yeah, I'm gonna cite you now. Thank you, thank you. Please teach teach my things in your class. I will. They're very they're very reliable. <laughs> but that's fascinating, though. I did not I did not see him in the clips that I watched, and then the article that I was reading about uh, because the fiftieth anniversary, people are talking a lot about Night of the Living Dead. So I read read an article about it, uh, and yeah, they talked about him. Did you say Ben? Right, Ben. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ben. So then, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Okay, so that I I gotta watch it. I sh- I should have watched it for this, but then you know I was lazy. Um, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> at least I'm honest. Um, yeah. But then he did a couple other movies, right? George Romero. Yeah. So he he has a shit ton of dead movies: Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, and there's a bunch of other ones that I can't remember. But aside from Night of the Living Dead, my favorite is the 2005 Land of the Dead. Main reason is because it's with John Leguizamo. And oh. I love me some John Leguizamo. He is great when he's not he playing a batshit crazy ass freaking character. What's wrong with that? <laughs> like him in spawn spawn i've seen clips spawn just makes me it just gives me the creeps um and i think he also was okay so my roommate loved the pest with john i hate that movie yeah so now looking back on it uh my roommate and her best friend love that movie and they and they also truly love john leguizamo and i also do like john leguizamo but that movie was horrendous. I, yeah. I I tried sitting through it, and they just back in college they loved it. And then now looking back on it, they said no, 
It's bad. <laughs> it's just really annoying. Yeah, there you go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. this Land of the Dead had... Land of the Dead. Jumped. It's really... Okay. So, that's why this movie's awesome. This movie came out after 9-11, and you have John Leguizamo, who's amazing, and then you have... Um, oh, what's his name? I'm horrible with actors' names today. Is it a white guy or... Dennis Hopper. Oh, yes! Dennis Hopper, John Leguizamo, and Asia Argento, who was Dario Argento's daughter. So she's like horror... um, Horror... Royalty. Oh! She was horror royalty. Okay. Yeah. So um, the whole movie picks up... um, So Dennis Hopper's character in the movie Mm -hmm. is Kaufman. That's why I keep getting confused. So this guy Kaufman is really, really wealthy, and the movie picks up after the zombie apocalypse. The zombies have come, everyone's, like, dead, and whoever's not dead is living in this, like, weird place called the Fiddler's Green. That's a large apartment and shopping complex that Kaufman created, and he's, like, the president of. And people that can't afford to live there live on the outskirts, so, like, the slums around that apartment complex. And people are forced, or part of the jobs that they can do that um, John Lewisamo does, whose character's name is Cholo de Mora. Love it. Um, <laughs> Chola de, Cholo de Mora? What does, that, yeah. what does that mean, though? I mean, just, I love that his name is Cholo. See, this is, this now this is a murder situation. Yeah. This is, this is, I'm like, okay, he's the murderer, but this guy, he's named after... He's a character that's named after literally what he is. Yeah. Which is a cholo. Yeah. Like, it's it's very direct. Yes. And you know what to expect. And for those um, of you who don't know what a cholo is, a cholo is a, I guess I could say, like, a Latino gangster, right? Yeah. So it's a, 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 a usually Mexican-American aesthetic. Um, it's usually associated with gangs. But cholo is, like... The khaki pants, the wife beater, the button-up plaid shirts, things like that. The The whole point of the story is um, Cholo and Riley and other characters um, are like scavengers. So they leave the the safety of Fiddler's Green and, and the slums around it to go scavenge for food and scavenge for things that then they come and sell to the people at Fiddler's Green. And Cholo's like, I'm only doing this so I can get enough money um, to buy an apartment at Fiddler's Green. And when he finally has enough money, Kaufman is like, you are not one of us. Like, you're not wealthy. You're not upper class. You're not white. There's no way you can buy an apartment here, even if you do have the money. So it's really an interesting take on, like, gentrification and racism in housing is how I would read this movie. Um, and Dennis Hopper does some awesome li- lines borrowing from George Bush. So he's like, we will not negotiate with terrorists and stuff <gasps> like that. Really wonderful post 9-11 movie. Wow. I did not know that. So that's awesome. I have not seen any of these movies. I apologize. Um, but this is really, really interesting. Um, but that's I, why we're working together. You watch yes. some, I watch some. <laughs> Good. Because I do know some things, some other things, um, you know, that I did mention, which was the other popular popular culture appearances of zombies, which, of course, the most famous one is Thriller. Michael Jackson. Yes. I remember being a kid and watching that and being slightly horrified, but also fascinated with it i was just like this is so scary but i love it did you Um, know the dance did you learn the dance no i never learned that dance i can't i can't dance i have um i'm the worst latina um i cannot dance i I was at a party the other day and my friend was actually teaching me how to dance i have no rhythm so i'm like my father my father is uh, very stiff and i also am very stiff and we're just both very stiff people who walk like sticks like barbie <laughs> like barbies who can't like you know bend bend like, their knees bend their knees or their are yeah you just walk like yeah. like yeah just ridiculous um oh the other movie that i have seen is 28 days later i love that movie 
which came out in 2002, and it was directed by Danny Boyle. Um, have you seen that one? Yeah. Okay. I loved it. Why do it. you like that movie? I I thought it was like kind of like a very serious, interesting take on the zombie. And, and like it was a slightly different from the other zombie genres that I've seen, you know? Like this these were fast zombies and they were terrifying to me. Like these these bastards could move. You yeah. know, and the story's really sad, it's really creepy. I see like civilization totally doing what those soldiers did at the end. Mm. Spoiler alert here. Actually this whole freaking podcast has been just spoiler yeah. alerts for all these movies. Um so I guess too late now uh, for you to turn back. Um, but anyways, you know, he, I could totally see soldiers being like, yeah, we're going to enslave these women. We're going to make sure that they have babies so we can repopulate the earth, which is just an excuse to just like do whatever they want and to control women and to control people. So that's why I liked it because I thought it was like a kind of a realistic take and it has amazing visuals. Yeah, it has a great soundtrack too. It does. That's right. Yeah. Um, the other one is obviously The Walking Dead. I mentioned that and I did read the comic, the original comic, uh, before it got turned into a TV show. And I did watch about a couple episodes of the TV show. And I I don't know, I kind of dropped the TV show and the comic eventually. But my favorite, favorite, favorite one by far in the zombies genre is World War Z. Which, I don't know if you've read that book. So, why do you like... Why do you like World War Z? Like, how is the zombie in that different from what we've been talking about? So, it's... It's an interesting way to tell a story. That's what I really like. It's just... Um, and it's written by... What is it? Mel Brooks's son, right? Yeah. Max, Max Brooks. Yeah. Um, and it turned into it was turned into that awful movie by starring Brad Pitt, and I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" The reason why I hated that movie but loved the book is because they took everything that was amazing about the book and the commentary that the book had on society, and essentially just threw it out the damn window, and just made it about mindless people. But it wasn't about that. It was about society, and society like how how important is are the people at the top like really thinking about it so one of my favorite parts of that book so that book for people who don't know spoiler alert about world war z is that it's written as a journal or like this journalist basically is going around collecting stories about the zombie apocalypse and what happened so he's writing this story years after the fact years after the zombie apocalypse happened and he's just collecting these amazing stories of survivors of people who went through it uh, and what happened to them. And so there's so many great stories, like how California was the last bastion, which, of course, as a Californian, loved it. You know, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, California. Um, of course, we do would be the last bastion. Um, that seems inaccurate. There's too many people there. <laughs> that is true. Um, but we do have all the resources. We have land, we have water, we have, like, all these different environments. It would be a good place to up as the last bastion one of my favorite things was that society kind of turned itself on its head so you have the maids and the cleaners and the janitors those people have actual skills that can be used like farmers gardeners all those people that you know in hollywood people would look down upon and pay pennies for their labor all of a sudden their labor is the most important in society because they're the ones with the knowledge to actually make shit grow and happen. And so you have like, there was one scene that stuck, sticks with me in my, in my head where the Hollywood producer, like this big shot Hollywood producer, I think lady, I think it was just starts screaming like, this is below me. I used to be like this big deal, blah, 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 blah. And basically they were like, lady, that, that's your past. That doesn't matter anymore in this society. That's gone now. Your labor never was important, really, in society. You were just made important. Like, that was the money, you know, the money gave you that status. But really, what truly is important are these people who 
you know, a lot of them were Latinos, mm. people of color that were doing this labor. And they just, you know, they were the ones with the knowledge and now they were the ones with the power. So I really thought that was super interesting of type of commentary that this book made. And that's why they couldn't translate it to a movie. Like, it's a critique on capitalism. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's How true. How are going to use that to sell a movie? <laughs> I know, that's true. And they had to cast a, the, the whitest guy in the... It, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I was just like, really, you guys? There's so many good stories. Like, the Asian guy, the Japanese guy, the otaku guy who was, like, um, stuck in his house and he became, like, this crazy cool samurai warrior. Oh, my God, it was amazing. Amazing. That is another one of my favorite parts as a as someone who's a big, you know, Japanese culture fan and all this other stuff. That was one of my favorite parts as well. So, our next topic is, why do we love zombies today? Okay. So, for me, I feel like we've talked about this. (laughs) Oh, we do, I guess. I guess we did talk about this, huh? Yeah. Like, zombie walks and, and Day of the Dead. I guess, actually, what is the Day of the Dead thing about? Oh, okay. So for me, one of the reasons I love zombies is um, their relationship to Day of the Dead. So the idea of Day of the Dead, especially in Mexico, is that this is a time where people that have passed away can come back and be with the living, right? Mm-hmm. And they you offer them food and you offer them like their favorite dishes and drinks and things like that. So it's this disembodied zombie, right? Like the spirits are back, the ghosts are back, but the bodies aren't, even though they still come and consume and eat and all that sort of fun stuff. But what's been happening is a lot of people that are celebrating Day of the Dead and Halloween in Mexico are dressing up as zombies. So now there's been a bunch of zombie walks in Mexico and in Latin America too. So people, what they've been doing is they've been mixing the makeup of like the calavera Mm-hmm. with the makeup of the zombie so you have like undead frida Kahlo's walking around and things like that what? it's been really fascinating what people are doing with zombies and day of the dead together oh my gosh that is fascinating so at the end like like in the la llorona episode where i talked about sightings i wanted to talk about a couple of zombie sightings and real life <laughs> real life zombies so actually i think there was an another article recently about this this particular thing which is the zombie ant which is i think what one of the video games the last of us is based off of is this fungi that infects uh uh, this particular fungi gets into the brain of the ant and actually controls the ant and when the ant dies the ant just like breaks open and all these spores come out to continue and infecting other unsuspecting ants, which I think is fascinating. That's a really, that's a real life fascinating zombie story, Um, but in the ant world. So this is another real life story that took place in Haiti and it's, it's called the zombie. She's called the zombie woman of Haiti and her name is Felix, Felicia, Felix Mentor. And so this is based on an article in the daily mail, which I know, not super credible. I know, I know. But this the article was saying that Felix, Felix, Felix Mentor had died in 1907, only to show up years later in this kind of remote village naked and with a rasp in her voice. She was actually interviewed by writer Zora Neale Hurston. Hurston? Hurston. And so she was actually interviewed by Hurston in... Um, 1936, who wrote, the sight of this wreckage was dreadful, she wrote. That blank face with the dead eyes, as if they had been burned with acid, it was too much to endure for long. So that's a crazy story. The other really, really famous story was of Clairvius Narcissus, who is also from Haiti, which is not a surprise, right? Um, And he was pronounced dead the first time in 1962 from a very mysterious fever. So he showed up 18 years later when he approached his sister in a market. He said um, that he could hear people weeping for him as his coffin was lowered into the ground. So he was buried alive. 
So this is going back to, obviously the story is, what must have happened to this man is the kind of origin of the zombie, right? Going back to the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, someone put a curse on him or, or cursed him to become this like drone, essentially. So I talked to my friend about this guy um, and she said that the reason why everyone was also kind of shocked that he came back is because everyone hated him. Like no, <laughs> like no one liked him. And so to have this guy just show up 18 years later and they were like, oh, damn it. We thought you were dead. Um, is there anything left that we need to talk about about the zombie? Well, we didn't t- talk about was the whole theory that um, the zombies were created by mixing different toxins. So th- what they would do is they would mix different toxins and put it in food or like um, inject it and prick it into people. And that's how they would be. Um, they would seem like they were dead. They would be buried and then come back to life later. So they were put like almost in a coma and then they would come back. And they're not exactly sure what toxins do this. Um, there's been like a few guesses like puffer yeah, fish and things like that. Yeah, I've heard like the that. puffer fish. Yeah, but scientists aren't like 100% sure what probably happens is a mix of like toxins and the mix of the mythology. Like people believe it, right? Like when people um, speak in tongues and stuff like that, like you believe it so much that it it actually happens. Oh my God. That's crazy. Because what I've yeah. seen is like, it's like a powder or something, right? So that it gets sprinkled into people's food or something. Yeah. Or like, I know they breathe it in. Um, different movies and different things have done like variations of it different books like Sora, Sora Neil Hurston talks about it in her book um Tell My Horse oh so she yeah so yeah so she does talk about it in her book especially and I guess mm-hmm. she's fa- was she fascinated do you know more about Hurston probably than I do but was she fascinated with the the zombie um culture or something like that well she was interested in like um she was an anthropologist oh that's right god I should know this shit yeah. So she was she was writing in like the 1930s. I think that's it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. All right. I can't believe we got through all this. I thought it was going to be longer, yes. but we did. We got it. We did it. We did it. It's so fascinating. I love zombies. I I love zombies. I don't want to turn into one and I don't want to see one or meet one in real life ever. But yeah, I wouldn't be opposed you know, to finding out that maybe it's it's kind of real. or I mean, it seems like it's kind of real, but not in the way that we see it in popular culture, you know? Yeah. Like, it, early zombies are real. What we see now is not. But, okay, last question. Okay. If the zombie apocalypse were to happen, so there's a zombie outbreak, how long do you think you would live? I would live 10 seconds, because I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> Oh, so you wouldn't even wait for them to No, get I'd be like, nah, fuck this. I'm not I'm not I'm not about this. I don't want to deal with the apocalypse. There's too many men, you know, that are gonna be like going crazy and men are cra- when they're crazy with power. I don't wanna deal with it. Um I also don't wanna be eating no like canned peas and shit, you know? Like I just don't I I don't I can't take it. Like I can't I can't survive. I was talking to my roommate about um, it and she was just like, No. We'd both be dead. I mean, maybe I'd try to survive a little longer. Maybe I'd hijack some sort of bus and, like, armor it. I always think that's a good idea so that you can, like, armor the crap out of it. Learn how to weld. I need to learn how to weld first. And then Mm -hmm. armor, like, a huge bus or something. But if I can't do that, I'll just die. I'll just kill myself. What about you? All right. I know I won't survive that long. But I know I'm going to turn into a zombie. Like, I, I want to kill my... Like, I want the ride. You want the ride? You want to you wanna see how far you can go before you get turned? Yeah. Oh. No, 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 no. I want the zombie ride. Like, I want to be a zombie. Oh! That is good, actually. And we've gotten on for a while, so I think we're going to end it here. So that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please tune in next time for our next episode on the truth is out there oh 
it's a hint. Ooh. It's a hint. <laughs> it's not even a, a very good hint. But um, please leave us a review, good or bad. I guess mostly good. Please leave us a good review. And <laughs> I'm begging you. Um, or <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, maybe I am. And or email us at you know monstraspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Monstras Podcast. And until next time, thank you, brains. Brains. Yes. <laughs>